Let's do the theme song. <laughs> they should call you Tony Elfman. Why is that? Because the composer for the Simpsons song is named Danny Elfman, and he's a wonderful composer. And how that's did a- you get all the way from Danny Elfman to Tony Elfman? That's genius. <laughs> Thank you. It is genius. I like your shirt. You look like a convict, kind of though. Do I? I feel like a convict because I've been under house arrest for two fucking years. I thought you were. Oh yeah, you didn't go out this weekend. I went out uh, on Thursday for a dental appointment. Ooh, you hate the dentist. Oh, it's so much fun. I I I hate the dentist office. I don't hate the dentist. Dentist. <laughs> In case your dentist is listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, or my hygienist. My hygienist was cool. <laughs> do you floss? I do floss. It feels really good. Like regularly? Yes. I floss once a day. It feels more vital than brushing, to be honest. My dentist told me to get one of those water picks. I might get one, but they look scary. Dentist recommendations are always like useless. Well, culture dentist tuned up. <laughs> Well, no, because they recommend all the same things to all the same people. Like, yeah, it's brush like, your teeth. Yeah. It. yeah, it's like one mouth fits all or one size fits mouth or something like right. So, yeah, I don't I don't really trust dentist recommendations. They'll be like, get the latest Oral-B. There's a showcase for it out in the front office. It's only $800. And you're like, excuse me, dentist? What do you use to brush your teeth? Uh, an electric toothbrush. Or okay, be. sorry. <laughs> well, don't be sorry. It's just, I thought, no, I thought like you would have just assumed that I use an electric toothbrush. They have now toothbrushes that also squirt water while, like as a water pick while you're brushing your teeth. Isn't it not supposed to do that? Because like the toothpaste is supposed to reside on your teeth for a while after you brush. We've talked about brushing. I think we talked about toothbrushing last week we did yeah i have i had a question for you actually to extend our previous yeah about toothbrushing you thought about this between episodes yeah (laughs) because my goal is to keep our listeners is this why you don't sleep at night you're just thinking about (laughs) how i brush my teeth i'm just wondering if anyone like if an attendant has ever brushed your teeth with a manual toothbrush before it's definitely been a while yeah but it has happened yeah okay okay I thought it might have been the same weekend where you had to shit into a popcorn bowl. <laughs> no, I somehow travel with an electric toothbrush and no dedicated shit bowl. <laughs> wow, they don't have an electric shit bowl? <laughs> that would be sweet. Now they do have shit bowls where you can push a button and they'll squirt water out. <laughs> it's called a bidet. It is, and I want one. Shout out to bidet sponsors out there if anyone wants to sponsor like who should who better sponsor for a bidet this is a terrible sentence (laughs) yeah it really is (laughs) then a disabled podcast because we've talked extensively ad nauseum about misadventures of butt wiping yeah you would think that bidets would be like prescribed to assisted living environments right like, you would honestly think that would be the first thing they would think about. 
I've honestly, no joke, I've looked at bidets because I'm trying to figure out if I can find one that works with my commode chair. Because, mm-hmm. like, if it sticks out a bit too far, then I don't know if the commode will fit over the toilet. For people uh, who don't, we people know what commodes are, right? Y- yeah, I made you explain what a commode was last time. Right, got it. Yeah. Yeah, anyone, any bidet manufacturers out there willing to help a butthole out? <laughs> it would make Tony's bidet. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you laughed before you even started talking. I did. You're like, this is going to be funny when I say it in a few seconds. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it was good. That was good. <laughs> so, yeah, you went to the dentist. I, I cool. did. I have no other, I have no nuance for my addition, like for my dentistry saga. It's all the, it's always the same thing. Did you have a cavity? No cavities, thankfully. That's cool. I feel yeah. like that is the best way to get some clout with your dental hygienist. Yeah. When they're like, that- oh, no cavities on I'm free tonight. <laughs> yeah, you've actually brought this up several times. Yeah. You know. How uh, you think that your cavityless face will ingratiate you to the dating pool? Well, it's I, I feel increasingly anxious that it's only a matter of time before I get one. Why do you think that your your diet's always been steady? Yeah, but it feels like I must eventually. You know? Uh, can we circle back for a second? Our discussion about how it makes no sense that. Um, bidets aren't compulsory in the apartments of disabled people. I would think that they would want to ensure like, like, you know, you get like the contractor and the blueprint for the building and you're like looking at the floor plan and making sure that the doorways are wide enough and the kitchen sink is low enough and all of those considerations for accessibility, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, you would think like before they even determine that the doorways were wide enough, they're like, wait, we're going to have to wipe a lot of butts. Do we have bidets? See, that's the issue. The people designing the buildings and yeah. the people building the buildings don't have to wipe any butts. Yeah, they're not butt wipers. They wipe their own butts. Right. And so I think we should start an empathy building movement <laughs> where the contractors making accessible units have to be attendants for like a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would give them enough insight to be like, oh, that's why we need to make a hallway that you can actually fit a wheelchair down. Yeah, that's, whenever you hear stories of, about like excessively uh, accessible spaces, the story is all about how like some really gifted contractor has like four disabled siblings and a disabled friend from yeah. from school or something. And he's like, you know, I just got so tired of like these ramps that had stairs on them. And so I decided to build an accessible space for one. Yeah, once. we've all been there <laughs> to the stair ramps. Yeah. One one time I was going down a ramp and then I tried to fall down the ramp. It was stairs. <laughs> that, that, like you, it sounds like you're being sarcastic, but that's a thing that happens. I've, there, I remember distinctly. <laughs> there was a uh, department store, two levels. You could get in on the main floor from the ground to the top level. And uh-huh. then if you want to go into the bottom level, you either take the stairs or you can go around back and there's a ramp. 
it's fairly steep, but you know, still manageable. You go all the way down the ramp, but it's not wide enough to like turn around on the ramp. So uh-huh. anyway, I'm like, I'm just gonna go down there. I go down the ramp, and then at the very end of the ramp, there's a curb down, like a good six or eight inch curb. And then yeah. you turn a 90 degree angle and then the exact same curb up into the store. So they could have just leveled that out and filled it in. But instead, I just had to back up the ramp. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, yeah. Never mind where you grew up. Like the Residence Commons, remember Residence Commons at Carlton, the building that you went to every day in the summer before eating food? That had a staircase ramp. And I remember several times, like, Having a drink, it did. It had a staircase ramp because I remember so many times in my life as a college student having several drinks and then walking home and then forget, like, starting to go down this fucking ramp and then realizing, oh, that's right. Yeah, thank you for remembering. Staircase ramp. Fuck that shit. It's like a accessibility cock tease. What is this? Yeah, it's that's how they test whether or not you're smart enough to go to university yeah like because for half the ramp you like think you're about to get access to where you're going yeah and then all of a sudden it's like a hard stop it's like a fucking access block i tried to rhyme it with cock block but i couldn't think of anything a walk block (laughs) oh tony he's still got it i actually Um, remember in i used to have to go pee in that did i how do you tell you the story? In a staff bathroom. Uh-huh. And they were like, we'll, we'll build you a bathroom so you don't have to pee in the staff bathroom anymore. Because they were mad that you were peeing in the staff bathroom? I think the staff were mad. Why? Fuck take, off. Like, oh, my goodness. Why? Where's, what, what's wrong with people? Yeah, they were like, we'll build a, a bathroom. And they asked me like, what I wanted out of a bathroom. Did you and, go to a Catholic school? No. Just okay. a public school. Sorry, go on. I just figured because of your history with the church that you went to Catholic school. And... No, I don't even know if there were Catholic schools in my small town. Really? We also weren't Catholic. We were like Anglican, I think. Oh, apologies. I made assumptions about your religion. I don't really know the difference. Instead of mass, it's something else. <laughs> wow, Tony, you were quite devout, eh? Oh, yeah, I was pretty into it. You were too busy painting pictures and getting toonies. Yeah, I was too rich for that place. <laughs> but yeah, so they brought me a bathroom. They, they took all my specs. I explained like how I use it, so what I would need out of it. And Sorry, then, as a child, you gave them a blueprint for your own bathroom? I mean, I was like probably 13. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, as a 13-year-old kid, you designed your own accessible bathroom. I was really, really into that stuff as a kid. I <laughs> wanted to be an architect for a long, long time. Oh, my God. You really, honestly, like, this isn't a, supposed to be an ironic catchphrase, but you really have lived a life. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? It's not about what I wanted to be. It's just about how useless I was at 13, and you're out there specking out bathrooms in AutoCAD. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I wasn't, no, no, no. I wasn't, like, making actual blueprints i was just saying okay so i need it to be like wide enough for me to be able to turn over here go like i wasn't specking it out on paper it was just a conversation with the contractor oh well yeah because 13 year olds often talk to contractors (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, yeah, yeah, so we'll make it like this, and you'll be great. You'll be able to pee whenever you want. It's great. <laughs> you'll be able to pee. <laughs> Which is the ultimate goal. Yeah. And then they renovated for a while, and then I remember finally getting to see the final, final product, and I literally couldn't use the bathroom. Because they just they didn't listen to me at all. Man, that's such a classic accessibility th- yeah. thing. So they were just annoying. like, he doesn't really know. Yeah. And yeah, I just couldn't use the bathroom. They had to re-renovate the whole thing. They, they need to make, I don't know if this is like a rude or insensitive joke, but they need to make an able-bodied Karen costume for disabled people so we can go complain and get and get traction with like customer service people when it comes to accommodating accessibility. I was thinking about this today because I, like you, need to get my teeth cleaned. Uh-huh. And so I I'd called my dentist because um, there was like a date. They had to cancel my last appointment and it's always so hard to get in there. So I was trying to plead Why my case. Why did they cancel? Where there was a problem with my insurance. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, they didn't like my, my chair. No, no, no. I actually have a very accessible dentist, which is why I always go there. But it's also really hard to get in because every you disabled what you person just said? goes there. No, like it's hard to get an appointment. <laughs> I get it, but like the way you said it, it was no, like, it's, yeah, it's really accessible. I just can't get there. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And she was like, "Well, I have an appointment in July." And I was <laughs> like, "It's March." Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, are you waiting for some sort of technological innovation in the field of dentistry before <laughs> you'll address my mouth? We have three months worth of people with no teeth coming. <laughs> I was like trying to plead my case to see if I could get in there. First of all, I was like, guys, you were the one that canceled my last appointment. So, like, I feel like you owe me an appointment. <laughs> and, I was like trying to plead my case. And the thing is, in my head, I was thinking, if I was there in person, I bet you I'd get a sooner appointment because they'd look at me and go, this guy needs an appointment. Yeah, well, they, they don't they know what you look like? No, the secretary doesn't. Oh. But you know what I mean? Like, I, there was part of me for sure being like... Oh, you wanted to play the wheelie card? Yeah, I did. And I couldn't play it over the phone. Could you just send them an unsolicited selfie? <laughs> I'll just yeah. Have you ever have you ever exaggerated your need for an attendant care call? Um like I do work pretty hard to keep my two hours. And mm-hmm. so like sometimes there are days where I'd rather not shower, but I have to like stress that I need to shower because I know if I don't shower then they'll start just taking my showers away all the time. Yeah. So like to that, in that sense, yes, there are 100% days. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I don't even want to shower today. You know, like those movies, uh, like the coming of age movies where our hero is some kind of protege or a savant, but in their early life, they always have a period where they live in like a, in like a boarding school. Yeah. While they are trying to find their genius, they are like exploited and abused by their supposed caretakers within the boarding school environment. Okay. And there's like there's like a point where they're usually like put in a hole 
I'm combining like prison movies with like the Queen's Gambit, Shawshank Redemption, fucking I don't know. Probably there's a Boardwalk Empire. Blah blah blah. <clears throat> Sometimes I I think of your care home environment as like one of those oppressive fucking coming of age movie uh, first acts. And I'm like, when is Tony gonna live in a place where he is properly loved and cared for? You know, post. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? It, I appreciate the sentiment. It does make me uncomfortable to be compared to a savant. Well, I don't know. You just told me that you talked to a contractor as a 13 year old, so that's your fault. Is that savantish? I think there are other things you've done that are savanty. No, I don't. I I definitely rinse at that part, but I've thought about it too. Like I think my feelings of success. Uh-huh. do largely revolve around feelings of having like good attendant care. Yeah. Because that's like the one part of myself that I never really control, I guess. So when it's going well, I'm like, okay, this gives I, me I, a good foundation to start the rest of my, my life. I sort of think you do control it. Like I know you experience a lack of control. I'm just saying that you... Despite the amount of dysfunction that you are forced to cope with, you do keep your head above water. So, and I'm, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying I'm to, treading water. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying it's impressive that you are able to have as much control as you do, given the chaotic nature of how you are expected to live. Well, let me flip that back on you. It's impressive how often you can go to the dentist and not have cavities, despite. Eating a bag of goldfish every day. I don't eat them every day. No? Not every day. I eat them like once every two weeks. I mean, you also hold it together pretty well in the sense that like you... I'm sitting here unshaven in pajama pants with socks on. It's interesting to hear what your measures of like holding it together are successful. Well, I just, I'm saying I feel like a, like a first year tunnel rat. In university, like, I, I'm not even pretending to dress like a human being who wants to partake in the world. So what do you think is your, I'm doing well, what does that look like? <laughs> That's you a hilarious shave? question. Hilarious question. Yeah, I've shaved. I Someone's cut, cut my hair. I, you know, I got, like, everywhere. Is your hair in need of a cut right No, but it's like, I feel like I need to. I should, I'm getting to the point where I need to shave it as often as I shave my face. Your hair? Well, yeah, because I don't... I'm always like pro long hair. I grew my hair out in the first year of COVID. And when my friends saw me, they like thought I needed to maybe go talk to someone. (laughs) (laughs) Like my hair made me look crazy is what I'm saying. But did you like style it? No, of course not. Right, so... (laughs) But yeah, like styling hair when you have CP, it's like, please, I, I put my shirt on. That's as far as I'm going. I, like, if I can't get my hands to behave, let alone my hair. Okay, so you have a shaved beard, uh, a nice trimmed <laughs> hair, and then what, you're wearing jeans as opposed to pajama pants? Well, yeah, it's jeans or khakis, you know, something nice. Yeah. But also, like, the... Yeah, the outfit is fitted, you know, I'm wearing deodorant. My chair my chair cover seat has been washed. 
So it smells like fabric softener and it's lovely. And I've dusted like all the all the weird little crevices of my casters and the bottom of my chair. So I'm not riding around in the like the filth of, you know, midnight snacking or goldfish. whatever other bullshit I <laughs> Yeah, goldfish. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So I'm just like quote unquote put together. But it's it's actually not my standard of cleanliness that I'm trying to live up to. It's some other invisible one where I'm trying to I'm trying to get ahead of the assumptions that people are going to make about my life based on how I present myself. So you think if you're wearing khakis, people will be like, "Oh, this guy's got it figured out." He kind of yeah. Like, uh, well, isn't that true? Like, a, like a, a a person in a wheelchair who looks like they've chosen their outfit is going to make an impression. How many times in your life have you told has, has someone told you effectively that you dress well? Like they've gone out of their way to tell you that. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're th- what you're saying. Yeah. It is definitely. We've talked a lot about disability costumes in movies. Yes, exactly. And people have them in real life too. Motherfucker! In this Simpsons episode, Homer yes, Simpson yeah. has a disability con fucking disability costume. Yeah, this is a goddamn thing. Disability moo-moo. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, hundred percent. I try to ride that midline of trying to, you know, dress in clothes that I like, but that are also really comfy. But part of my thought process is actually like, based on who's getting me up that day, it also dictates what I can put on. What does that mean? Some people are better at dressing you than others? Yeah, like some, if I'm wearing like a button up, it's harder to put on than like a pullover. What do you like? How do you how do you decide if they're capable of doing a button up for you? Do they fuck it up the first time? Yeah. How do you fuck up a button up? It's not that, that they fuck it up. It's just that they struggle enough where I'm like, oh, I won't put them through this again. Oh my god, I hate that sentence. Well, it's not necessary for me. <laughs> I feel just as good in a hoodie. Like, I don't care. Yeah, you're rationalizing. Maybe. You are. I thought it was something funny, like like there's this one lady that uh, always accidentally exposes my belly button and then doesn't notice. And then I'm riding around with an exposed belly button. I definitely always have to look in the mirror after. Yeah, because you have too much belly hair to like really feel the draft. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One time I went into the bathroom to see how I looked and I wasn't even wearing a shirt. <laughs> you're like oh i thought i had my uh my brunette winter sweater <laughs> but i forgot it's just who i am yeah i thought i was wearing a nice wool sweater <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing that my uh my university roommates used to make fun of for me all the of of like of me all the time on my chest hair jamie do you sometimes feel like being disabled is, in essence... It's like a lottery that rewards stupidity. No, like, so I know you're asking me this facetiously because that's the way that The Simpsons frames the episode about disability that it has. Do I feel like disability is a lottery? Do you think that's how people think of it? Oh, interesting. I do think that people assume that disabled people have no internal lives. 100%. But I also think that sometimes people think 
man, it must be so easy to get around a wheelchair. Like, how many times has someone said that to you? Oh, that looks sweet. But man, like, you don't even have to, like, get up and walk around. Well, that's just because they want to take a break from from their own bodies. They just want to lie down for a while. And it is sweet. I used to have this one chair that I found a way to do donuts in. Yeah, you can't do donuts in your current chair? Not this chair. Like, what it happens? doesn't. It has this, like, smart drive feature where Ugh. it won't let you correct too much. I was going to make the dumbest joke. Will you make a Timbit reference? No, I was going to say, you try to make a donut and it becomes a Danish. Right. Let's follow that. <laughs> in this case, what would a Danish look like? Um, it would be a power chair maneuver that's filled with jelly. Right. Stupid me asking questions. Yeah, come on, Tony. That was obvious. Yeah, fuck you. <sighs> All right, what are we talking about? I just thought you'd take a sip of that, and I got to be honest, I really wanted to make a joke there. About but then what? I was like, it's coffee. It's not hot. I, I don't even know what the joke would have been, oh. but it would have just been to make you jump. That would that would necessitate you having some kind of one-liner that you know would make me jump, which you probably don't have many on the ready. I think I could. Okay, well, I invite you to do it on the podcast at some point. Yeah, but not with coffee. That's mean. It's not hot, I said. It's fine. Uh, I don't know. Tony, stop always trying to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. All right, so yeah, I feel like we're in right this. Should we segue into this? Into this uh, thing that we watched for today's episode? Yeah, we should. I think we already have. What do, do you want to explain what we watched? So we watched a single episode of Early Simpsons from 1995. Um, season 7. Season 7, yeah. I'm pretty sure everyone knows what The Simpsons is. It's a hilarious, seminal cartoon that has been running for 30 years about a family in some nondescript part of middle America who... Have they grown up? No, they have, they've they remained the com- completely static in the same time period, nebulous sort of time period for the last 30 years. And I think actually that's part of the reason why the show hasn't really evolved is because it's because the characters are not permitted to, to age. And so the, this, the show's humor is, is sort of stuck in its own original skewering of like the 90s family sitcom and like the Clinton era or whatever. I was never allowed to watch Simpsons as a kid. You weren't allowed to watch anything but Veggie Tales and paint dry on the wall. And I'm trying to figure out if we can make a Veggie Tales episode. I'm going to have to like think about old Veggie Tales to see if there's a disability reference we can draw. Paint drying, we can definitely do an episode about. If you want to. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've seen a lot of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so yeah, this this episode in particular, I th- like everyone knows who Homer Simpson is. Uh, deadbeat dad, <laughs> very dumb, uh, inexplicably has a well-paying job despite his stupidity. Yeah, we share a love for donuts. Oh yeah, Homer loves donuts. It's his, I think for him, it's the primary food group. And uh, so in this episode, Homer... Uh, is trying to avoid work because they they've because his boss recently instru- introduced a regiment a regiment of calisthenics. I don't know how to pronounce that word, but basically, I've never seen a man so desperate to get out of five minutes of calisthenics. Thank you. 
That's actually, yeah, that was Smithers. So Homer's trying to get out of doing these morning exercises because he's like completely unfit and very lazy and totally shameless about it. Um, And in an attempt to avoid this obligation, he tries to figure out how to uh, become disabled. Carpal tunnel syndrome, no. Lumber lung, no. Juggler's despair, no. Achy breaky pelvis, no. Oh, I'm never going to be disabled. I'm sick of being so healthy. Hey, wait. Hyper obesity. If you weigh more than 300 pounds, you qualify as disabled. I kept that transition because it sounds just like our wheel breakers music. It does. <laughs> also, this reminded me of do you know the character Bob Duca? Of who? Of what? Seth Morris. It's like just a radio character. Pretty obscure reference. On where? XFM? What is this? It was on like comedy bang bang back in the day. I, I'm sorry, Tony. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Can you explain? Yeah, there's a a pretty funny character that the that Seth Morris does called Bob Duca, and he'll like list. Here's this one that's like a list of ailments, and he just lists like hilariously made up ailments, um, things that he's been suffering with lately. Yeah, and so he tries to. Somebody asks him how he is, and then he goes through this list of. But it's like ridiculous ones, like. Canine derived hip dysplasia, <laughs> high fiber fibromyalgia. <laughs> it's just like absurd. Okay, cool. And it reminded me of that. Also, like yeah. I think Tid Nataro's on it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love the series Under a Rock with Tig Nataro because right. I know, <laughs> yeah, because I know everything about uh, celebrities, and she knows absolutely nothing. And her 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 ignorance is played for such like charm. It's so awesome. But yeah, it's funny because she's not playing it up at all. She like wants to know who these people are and then feels bad when she doesn't know. Exactly. It's like the absence of her starstruckness is already so endearing. And then yeah. it enables her to have real conversations with these people because she's not like saddled with uh, an idea of who they are. Yeah. And it's also probably super refreshing for the celebrity to just be seen as a person again yeah 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 that's yeah. lovely yeah our listeners should totally go check out uh under a rock with tig Notaro. yeah definitely check it out it's funny how there are comedians like whose overall vibe is really funny like they don't actually have to tell jokes they can just be either good storytellers or just have like a infectious stage presence and a sort of like innate comedic timing i'm always fascinated with what is funny both because it's it's such a superpower to connect with people that way because it's so disarming to laugh but then also also because comedy is so incredibly contextual and and malleable things we find funny now won't be funny in the future or might be seen as retroactively ahead of their time because of their grasp of irony and humor well also like it's it's just so subjective it's like you can't really figure out why people find avocados delicious it's just some people really like them and good for avocados (laughs) i don't think you can really like you can pick up clues 
and then you can try it. And if it makes people laugh, maybe you can try to reproduce that. I see that a lot on YouTube where somebody will go viral and then they're like, oh, that worked. Let me just do the variations of that same thing over and over and over again. And sometimes it works. Sometimes they found some secret sauce and they blow up. But then other times you're like, nah, it was only good the first time. Right. And jokes are the same way where I can make you laugh with some fun or joke or line or whatever. And it might disarm you completely. Yeah. And then I do it again. And it might get you every time. We, You and I have definitely shared laughs like that where you can just reference this thing and one of us goes into hysterics. And then yeah. other times you try to revisit it and the other one's like, yeah, it's not the same the second time. I, I guess I've been thinking about this because um, in revisiting this particular episode of The Simpsons, I started watching episodes around it from the fourth, uh, sixth, and seventh season, and they're so funny. And I and uh, like I mean, it's nothing new to say that fucking early Simpsons is uh, incredibly relevant and timeless. Well, you're trying to figure out why. I, I guess so. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why because certainly, like modern day episodes are almost utterly devoid of laughs. Like it's almost it's almost a a tragedy that the show still exists because it's it's purely it's purely there for commerce. There's there, none of the soul, none of the original creators are there. Only the voice actors. So it's like a husk of what it once was. But back in the day, The Simpsons used to be like a breeding ground for like many brilliant contemporary successful comedy writers who then went to work on The Office and Parks and Recreation and I don't know. Uh, talk show hosts. Talk show hosts, yeah. Conan O'Brien wrote some of the best episodes of the series. And I am by no means like a Simpsons trivia aficionado, but I think that this is the show, like the very first show that people of our generation and younger, or sorry, and older, Gen Xers for sure, uh, would have binged purely because of how much it was in syndication. Our public broadcaster used to show The Simpsons, I don't know, like uh, in the evening at least three times uh, right after school between 4, four and 6.30. And um, I used to watch episodes over and over and over again as a kid. And the interesting thing about The Simpsons was my parents let me watch it despite knowing that it was quite uh, cheeky, like subversive, uh, offensive, like in poor taste. It's kind of grounded by, at least the earlier seasons are grounded by like real familial dynamics. You know, like Homer is a piece of shit, but he also loves his kids and his wife. Like his primary motivation after he fucks up in an episode is to redeem himself in the eyes of his of his wife and there's it's also you know like a an ensemble uh comedy which um like uh you know it just it just means that there's a huge cast of characters and they're all very well flushed out they all have reasons for being there clear motivations interesting backstories and they're all funny in their own right and so there's so much to draw from there's a literal sense of community and there's I, I think a lot of modern comedies have tried to reproduce what The Simpsons achieved. Parks and Recreation is commonly called the live action Simpsons. You know, there's like uh, shows like The Good Place are quite uh, quite animated and, and silly. And a lot of their jokes are are staged in a 
Simpson-esque manner, blah, 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 blah. So what makes The Simpsons still funny today? And is that disability episode relevant? Well, what makes it funny today is a question I'm definitely not prepared to answer. But Mm. is this a disability? Is this relevant to disability? I would say definitely yes. A hundred percent. It for sure, it for sure is, yeah. Um, like Homer's already, uh, like quite overweight as a character all the time, and his uh, lack of a disciplined diet is a recurring joke in the series. <laughs> One of my favorite Simpsons jokes is some protracted series of events puts Homer in hell, and the way that the devil chooses to torture him is to attach him to a donut manufacturing machine and feed him all of the donuts in the universe <laughs> and and like he, the devil starts out thinking that it's punishment but homer is just in heaven and he's like this machine is just pumping donuts into his face it's it looks hilarious visually and he's just like hum 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 and then like after like a thousand donuts he's like more and then he actually does consume i'm i'm butchering the explanation of this joke <laughs> but it's just Basically, Homer's hunger for donuts overcomes the devil. <laughs> and it's it's great. Yeah, I well, I mean, like I said, I haven't really seen much. I've probably seen literally a handful of episodes mm-hmm. in my life. Every time I see it, I'm like, man, I need to watch more of that show. But it's mm-hmm. one of those things, it's like just a cultural phenomenon that I missed. And now going back to revisit it, is something I want to do, but there are just so many other shows that are more relevant and more presently focused in the zeitgeist or whatever. So there are many hard. people who would be deeply offended by what you just said. The relevance of it? Yeah, the relevance. Well, I'm not saying it's irrelevant. <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, like, I also want to watch I'm really excited to watch Liquid Pizza, for example. Oh, and me like, too. I just don't have time to watch everything. That's true, yeah. And there are fucking 30 seasons of this goddamn show. Yeah, and if I'm going to pick between a show that was in its prime when I was four mm-hmm. versus something that I can fully digest now, and yeah. then also I don't have nostalgia for The Simpsons, so it doesn't have the same draw to me. I think I think what what I might be trying to argue is that you don't need this need nostalgia for this show because it harkens back to a style of humor that um is woefully missing nowadays and just just watching it like the sheer volume of visual gags like never mind like clever dialogue or like pithy one-liners or recurring catchphrases there are so many hilarious um, uses of the animated medium to generate a laugh. I love how in the early seasons, like just the way that the characters are rendered, uh, like there's something with the the distance between Homer's eyes where he just sort of they're slightly off center so that he looks like a like a a dumbass, but in the funniest way possible. I don't know how to explain it. In in subsequent seasons, they start using. Um, like digital software to to render the cartoons so it loses that that sense of being hand drawn or like you know like naturalistic lines or whatever i don't have the background to analyze how it's how it's animated but 
Um, my point is just that it 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 looks funny and it it leverages all the grammar of slapstick and and visually based humor. So it's like there's an intelligence there that that is uh, so refreshing, and it's also paced very nicely. Like I just find that modern cartoons, and I think even Rick and Morty, for all its volume of ideas and its commitment to uh, a certain like threshold of intellect per episode it is sort of there's a patience problem with modern comedy where people are afraid i think that you'll you'll stop watching if they don't have a certain density of jokes or if there's not a certain amount of like adhd built into the punchline well i think that that's sort of a product of the fact that most media consumers now, and I put myself into this, we've talked about this, have attention problems. And so, you know, when you're trying to market a machine, like a, a show to work for them, there is a certain drive to cater to that. I think those attentional issues are 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 false. What do you mean? I, I do agree that our, our social media diets and the, the constant compulsion to check your phone does divert your attention. But but I don't think that it means that we've actually lost the ability for long form focus or like reading or like hyper concentration. Like, I, I mean, for God's sake, if if that were the case, nobody would listen to a full episode of our podcast. I think people listen to it at one and a half speed over a few different sittings often. For sure. And as they should, I mean, it's probably not natural to sit for a full 90 minutes and just focus on a podcast. But my point is that there are there there, there is still is a place for long form media. I mean, again, we, we binge TV shows and and people like really deep dive into this stuff and it demands a lot of your time and attention. And I mean, like, yes, like so we kind of we kind of oscillate like there's no middle ground. Uh, and I, I do think that we need to, that people are overwhelmed by media and stuff. And and of course we are, because what the fuck else is there to do right now? Like, we're experiencing an entire war over our screens, for fuck's sake. It's it's crazy. But um, anyway, what am I trying to say? What am I? Simpsons is good. I agree with you. Simpsons is very, very good. And actually, yeah, for people who don't think they can dive into The Simpsons, but want something that uh, reflects all of the same comedic virtues. I think Bob's Burgers is a um, kind of successor to The Simpsons. What I was trying to say earlier is that I think what differentiates early Simpsons from modern contemporary comedies is this. The Simpsons is is still very focused on storytelling, and there's, there's a lack of kind of like non sequiturs in their jokes. Like there are plenty of cutaways and... Uh, stuff like that but it's not like a crutch like family guy or some aspects of the of the randomness of of rick and morty and stuff and so there's there's a desire to tell clear stories and to frame the characters motivations with dramatic stakes and so you're constantly invested in um whether or not the simpsons family will be okay and their their familial relationships will be preserved you want homer to succeed because you care about his family and like that's important you know and i think uh, bob's burgers is kind of the same the same way there are class politics in bob's burgers like 
Bob is constantly worried about, and I know I'm sorry, I'm probably going to a level it's not necessary, but Bob is constantly worried about putting food on the table for his family. And so whenever there are, like whatever problems they run into throughout the series, like that framing of like, how are we going to get through the week is constantly there. So no matter how ungrounded the hijinks of a particular episode are, Bob is always wondering if he's doing the best thing to make sure that there's food on the table. And that is really, really compelling because I think it re- it makes it constantly relatable and it eschews this idea that cartoons are supposed to be just this elastic playground where anything can happen. Because it, like that stigma is really hard to escape, I think, for the medium. And uh, I think The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers at their best do that very, very well. This, I guess, is part of my argument about how The Simpsons can tell a compelling disabled story. I don't know. Well, Media. speaking of whether or not it's relatable. <laughs> Stupid switch. I wish I had my reaching broom. I got that clip for all the coworkers that constantly tell me that I need a grabber for the things that I drop on the ground at work. You do need a grabber. No, the grabbers suck. Gra- grabbers like... <sighs> if it's good enough for a felon, it's good enough for you in your felon shirt. Unless, unless, unless the grabber like is a full-on prosthetic arm with, arti- with five articulated digits. Entitled much. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Like you're actually like trying to pick up like like a complicated or heavy object with like two useless claw digits. I I mean I I I know the word useless can be triggering, but yeah, just wait till we review a hook. <laughs> oh yeah, we can do that, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. Oh, I like that movie. Oh, but that's gonna make our uh, our producers so mad if we were if we review Hook. Good, even more reason to do it. He's funny when he's fired up. He is funny when he gets the the other day. Our our producer went on a rant about how Hook sucks, and we were all sort of caught off guard by how passionate his opinion was. Honestly, when I when I was hearing him say that in my head, I was like, "We're gonna review Hook." <laughs> That's the only thing that I can remember. Now we have to. Now can we, we have to. Should we have Michael on the podcast so he can uh, uh, unleash the full extent of his Spielbergian vitriol? That seems mean. Unless he actually wants to. But like, I don't want to be like, hey, come on to watch this thing you hate. I think, I think Michael loves to hate as much as I do. Yeah, maybe. I've never had that thing. What is it that makes you love to hate something? I hate to hate stuff. I I know, I know. It's a certain cynical mean-spiritedness. I'm very glad it's not in you. I think if it were in you, this uh, this podcast would devolve. If we just, like, be shitting on everything? Yeah, we'd just be two spiteful curmudgeons. Give peace a chance or whatever. (laughs) Or whatever. I mean, this is kind of the the Simpsons episode. I mean, for God's sakes, Homer gains 60 pounds to get out of going to work. So that's really offensive. But the show knows that it's like in very, very poor taste. Yeah, I think it's, you know, trying to make people consider, I don't know. I don't like to review comedy in a way that gives it super righteous, heady meaning. Sometimes the point of it is just super goofiness. 
Yeah. Which is what I like. Like okay. with that scene where Homer's like trying to get injured and he spills oil on the floor and then <laughs> yeah. slides through it. And it just makes him slide indefinitely yeah. through like every part of his building. Yeah, all the way through the power plant. Yeah. That's hilarious because it's absolutely goofy. There's no real point other than to just be like, look how goofy this is. It's not trying to prove something. It's not trying to make you smarter. It's just, this is absurd. He spills spills oil on the ground and then tries to slip and fall, but instead he slips like several uh, hundred feet through through the whole power plant and and stops at his boss's office. And his boss is like, can I help you, Simpson? And he's like, uh, no, can you please push me back in the other direction? It's funny that your Mr. Burns is Werner Herzog. Is that my Werner Herzog? Yeah. Mr. Simpson? Simpson? I don't know what it is. I It's probably Gandalf. You shall not pass. I can't, I can't do old man voice. <laughs> you shall not pass. Yeah, it's pretty good. No, it's not. Yeah, okay, you're right. So I'm I'm trying to attach all this weight to a fucking silly comedy. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes it's okay to just think something is funny for the sake of it. <laughs> it's okay to laugh at a fart joke. You don't have to be like, yeah, but it makes you think about, like, how intricate your colon is. Yeah, and, like, yeah. all the work that your bowel is doing. Yeah, it makes you sympathize with people with diverticulitis or IBS. It's a trumpet sound that comes out of your butthole. That's hilarious. Okay, fine, Tony. You've convinced me. Yeah, that, that's what I like about at least the few episodes I've watched is it's not afraid to be absurd. And yep. that, that is the, the beauty of cartoons, in my opinion, where they can just go over the top in absurdity because they don't have to worry about like the practical effects or anything they can just draw it and it will be there's like the one scene where uh, so basically doctor tells him to get uh, on this terrible food diet and his rule is if you can rub it on a piece of paper and it makes the paper clear it's going to be good for you it'll make you fat yeah basically meaning like eat greasy food yep and at one point they're trying to decide if a fish burger is healthy. And so they rub it on a wall <laughs> and the wall becomes clear and a bird hits the wall. And it's just absurd. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, yeah, so there are those those ridiculous moments. But even the non sequiturs in The Simpsons also serve the plot. So it sort of stays at least on rails. I just kind of get like annoyed with family guy when it's like those jokes where it's like this reminds me of the time when i ate a cheeseburger i like those jokes and then it cuts away yeah i hate i I, I don't okay it's not that i hate them i i realize that you'd love to hate them no i'm just tired of them because they're so overdone nowadays but i i think that's funny to me when it's almost like you know it's gonna come it's like a dad joke, you know, where they do a joke and yeah, they're, I, you're I, like, I hate those too. No, you, you do them all the time. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I. Yeah. It's like your favorite form of comedy. Have you ever heard of self loathing? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said I wasn't a hypocrite. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, Tony. No, I like it when it's like the tongue in cheek kind of like, huh? You're still here. You're still, I still got you. You don't want to be laughing, but you are. You know what it is? My coworkers uh, communicate primarily in dad jokes, and I resisted it for like two or three years. And then I started leaning into it heavily because I like them and and I don't want to, I don't want to discourage them from creating the fun that they want to create. Oh yeah. You're such a saint. <laughs> what a princely thing to do. <laughs> nice try. That is not even a little bit true. You love dad jokes. You tell them to me off the air and you guffaw. You break a rib, you'll drop <laughs> your coffee. You'll like make a joke to the point where your spasm at your own fake laughter hurts yourself. <laughs> it's true. I'll be like, haha, ow. Yeah. In any case, uh, so your favorite part of this episode was just how silly it was. Yeah, it was just like the idea of someone eating their way into a disability is hilarious. Yeah. And also, I think it is, there definitely have been comments made to me where people are like a little bit jealous that, you know, I have someone to do my laundry for me or uh-huh. like or a bus that picks me up at my door and drops me off where I'm going. And uh-huh. I'll admit, those perks can be pretty sweet. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that I'd rather just life than an able-bodied life. But like I am saying, my life isn't terrible. Well, of course it's not, of course. Yeah, there are some minor perks here and there, I would agree. But they're definitely not fucking worth the price of admission. The part of the episode that I found most interesting didn't really have to do with the disability, to be honest. Well, save it for your own podcast. I, uh, this, this is an episode about work from home. Yeah, it is. Like, it's a, a, a big part of the A plot of the episode is about Homer loving the freedom that he gets from being able to work at home. And the, the, the stigma of it, this idea that, uh, it's a privilege that is only there as an exception to the rule. Uh, is quite pervasive. And the the sense that I get from some people that those who do choose to work from home full-time are lazy, like that is kind of real. Do you think people think that? I do. I do think that. I, maybe in bigger cities, that's not the case. But I think, you know, in smaller places where the company culture maybe isn't able to adapt as quickly or as progressively. Did you see that? office building in Toronto, they put a bunch of signs up in the lobby to try to encourage, to try to like... Antagonize? Well, no. It ended up antagonizing, but I think their intention was to raise spirits of the people returning to work. Yeah. And there were like signs that would be like, are you missing your sweatpants yet? I bet your dog is at home wondering where you are. I saw that, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like a really poor taste. It was hilarious how tone deaf it was. Totally. I, I still don't really understand the drive to get people back into the office who whose disciplines can be done remotely, like with 100% effectiveness. I that, that argument will never make sense to me. I know I've said it a hundred times, but I'll say it again. 
I think it's not necessarily fully about effectiveness. I think there is some value, at least to some people, to be with their coworkers, to yeah. engage socially. It definitely does get lonely at times. I'll admit that my spirits are lifted the moment I'm with another person in my garage. Yeah. When people come to see me, it's like there's like a weight that comes out of your shoulders. It's like, oh, fuck. Hey, dude, how's it going? And it's yeah. the best. It's the best. Um, shout out to Franco and Steve. Uh, but like, come on, let people work from home if they can. If they want to. Yeah, I think it should be at least a choice. There's there, there's another there's another scene in this episode where Homer uh, uses a a tool to press the Y button on his keyboard so that he can go see a movie. Like he tries to play hooky, basically, which yeah. is funny because a lot of people have purchased like USB mouse USB mouse movers during the pandemic to do the same thing to at least feign being busy. It's so funny because when he goes to the theater, he gets denied access. Because the theater owner thinks he'll need to, he won't fit in one of the bucket seats or whatever. <laughs> and th there's some remark about Homer's like, oh, that's okay. I'll just sit in the aisle. That overweight guy wants to see the movie. I'm terribly sorry, sir, but I'm afraid our facilities are not equipped to meet your needs. What are you talking about? Well, what I'm saying, sir, is that a man of your carriage couldn't possibly fit in our seats. I could sit in the aisle. I'm afraid that would violate the fire code. I've actually had this exact conversation. Me too. And I've been denied access to theaters where I fucking had a lecture in university because it wasn't safe for me to park my scooter anywhere close to the front of the auditorium. Yeah. So like, yeah, like th this is played as a joke because haha, Homer's too fat to like fit in a seat. But like, it's a real thing. There used to be a theater that I grew up going to, and it was just one cinema. You walk in, and you're in the theater. There's like a concession stand, but you can see the movie as soon as you open the door. There, there was nowhere for me to sit, so I'd have to go in, buy a ticket, get concession if I wanted to, and then wait at the front door until the movie was ready to start, and yeah. everyone else was piled in, and then they could let me sit in the back of the aisle. It's so annoying. It's like when they pre like uh they pre board you at the airport. Sometimes because of how because of the availability of like uh, airplane attendants, they have to put you on last. And this has happened to me maybe like half a dozen times in my career of flying on or of riding airplanes. And it always feels like such theater. The whole process of them ushering you down the aisle on a yeah. full plane because you invariably have to invade the personal space of every person who has an aisle seat because you have to grab on to their seat and walk yourself down. And it's a slow procession. And like, you know how artificially busy like like uh, airports feel. So the whole time you like you're like, oh, fuck, I, feel, I, I honestly feel like I'm single handedly holding up this flight. You're right. And then there's. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And then, of course, as I've talked about many times, the whole Hannibal Lecter, like luggage uh, fucking thing that they often tie you to with bungee cords. Fucking hate that thing so much. Deeply, deeply annoying. I've always gotten in before everyone. Oh, really? Have you? But you know what I'm talking about. You felt like a piece of luggage before, right? In one of those things? Yeah, Fuck sure. Them. 
fuck them. This is my daily ode to that shitty thing. I've always wondered how, if we were ultra rich, how would we be able to travel? Like, how much more accessible could it get? Could you actually reasonably tie your chair down in an airplane? I, I think you'd still be transferring. Money, like all you would, if we had lots of money, we would use it to build a community around us because it's ultimately people who make our lives more accessible. I think you could probably invent <laughs> some kind of at least more accessible way to travel where you can yeah. easily, you know, at the very least you could have a chair that's perfectly suited to your needs in your private jet. You could, yeah. You could definitely go baller. I mean, you could sit down with a contractor and make up a blueprint and then he could work on it for six months and then ultimately the product that you get doesn't actually let you empty your bladder. Yeah, but I'm not sure if I'd still be able to because I'm not 13 anymore. Right, yeah. You're beyond the golden years of uh, savantism. Yeah. Oh, sorry to hear that, Tony. Like, I've seen those videos of Stephen Hawking, not to be confused with Stephen Hawking. <laughs> dad joke <laughs> I'm taking that note rest in peace no you're not fuck you good luck you doing the edit <laughs> oh that's true the privilege of being the editor can we get a new Stephen Hawking I, I want a new disabled like de facto celebrity I'm so annoyed with uh, Stephen Hawking for dying no like just like you know that being the, the default wheelie he was an astrophysicist who cares astrophysics is boring it's, it's pretty cool who sits around thinking about planetary mechanics are you jackass like you're on the earth you really do love to hate i do what's your ideal really celebrity i don't know let's update it like you know okay um what is it pick someone from best summer ever no, no i'm not asking for a person what oh. are the traits? Because obviously astrophysics is off the table. <laughs> so what are the traits of the ideal really celebrity that you would be happy to ascribe to? Uh, I don't know. Who's the most likable person? Who's the most likable uh, popular personality right now? It's a cross between like Keanu Reeves, The Rock, and... The Rock, for sure. Z Zen Zendaya? People really like Zendaya right now. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so if you were going to combine those three people into one super disabled person, <laughs> what would you get? I, I don't know. What would, what would you call a disabled rock? I mean... The pebble? No, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the rocks aren't generally moving around too much. As it is. True. True. It's not like... Yeah, rocks are super immobile. Yeah. Right. Huh. Which I think is why he's trying to go towards a DJ. Oh, Dwayne Johnson, yeah, because he wants to disassociate with immobility. With like... So we're saying that uh, Dwayne, like, like reclaiming his name is ableist? No, we're not saying that. <laughs> you can say that. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I I like him, actually. I really like, like him. I, I like a lot of people. I don't even mind Stephen Hawking. I just don't like Eddie Redmayne. That's all. Yeah, I still don't even... I don't feel that strongly negatively towards anyone. Maybe that's a fault of mine. Maybe I should hate more things. No, you shouldn't. Please don't. I'm trying to figure out 
what celebrity criteria you would be happy to ascribe to for like a a disabled icon. What do you think a, a celebrity would need for you to be like, I support this guy. He's representing the movement well, or like he's he's someone I look up to. Okay, so I have an irrational love for Tom Cruise. Okay. So if there was some way to like make... If he keeps doing his own stunts, he might get there on his own. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Oh, so we should just keep encouraging him to do his own stunts into his 60s and 70s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he can... But I don't know. Okay, so he could be the de facto celebrity acquired wheelie. Oh, now we're doing categories. Well, but then that'll just explode into a bunch of different... Do you have a do you have a hierarchy of disability? You asked me this last episode and I avoided answering you. I know, and I'm trying to bring it up again. <laughs> Good luck. Like I said, my younger self maybe did. My older self is trying to is trying to dismantle it. What if my internal hierarchy of wheelies is something I know to be incorrect? And so I don't want to give it credence by by speaking it out into the world, especially on a public forum. Well, no, no. The actual answer is I don't know. I haven't actually articulated it ever or put it into words in my mind's eye. So I don't know. And I don't want to do that with you in real time because I know I will stumble upon a bunch of offensive things. Yeah. That might make for good fodder on a podcast, but it won't make for my uh, sustained mental health. Um, This Simpson episode, though. When I grow up, I want to be a lardo on workman's comp, just like Dad. I wash myself with a rag on a stick. (laughs) Would you rather wash yourself with a rag on a stick or take your current station in life? Oh, man. What kind of question is that? So I I don't want to be confined to a bed. Real breakers. Wheel breakers. I, I I would not want to live out an episode of my 400-pound life. What if you could still, like, walk around? No, no. Because I think the long-term health effects of that life and just the how difficult it would be to lose the weight and just all all of that, the suffering of it all, I imagine it's it's so hard to, to be that because there's, so there's so much self-loathing, internalized everything. To, to even get to that point. So like, yeah, I wouldn't even jokingly... Maybe. I mean, it could also be like some kind of thyroid condition. My reason for getting that clip was just like, because I thought it was a funny kind of reference to like able-bodied ignorance toward a disabled hygiene routine. And it's like just this, the idea that we don't shower naked and we would we often get sponge bathed. Homer has found a loophole. Mm-hmm. That allows him to be disabled. Mm-hmm. And it's enough for him to get what he wanted in that he is able to work from home. He gets disability, shitty as he calls it. Yep. Um, and it's meant to be like, it, it's obviously meant to make you laugh, realizing the extent of the depths that Homer is willing to go through to avoid doing work. 
like yeah I, and i also thought it was really funny because it like when mr burns allows homer to work from home they have like a commencement ceremony like a ribbon cutting ceremony where they unveil homer's remote desk and he gets like there's a huge crowd and a lot of press and he literally says homer says thank you for your pity so it's playing into this this idea like it's exaggerating all of the assumptions about disability uh, to show us how ugly Homer is. What I thought the the episode would have benefited from is to actually have shown the coworker of Homer of Homer that got on disability, and to show how his circumstances quote unquote more legitimate, or to to actually have a real disabled character like be offended at his behavior or like maybe not even offended but just like call him out yeah in the peripheral of it and then the show could demonstrate like no like you know we know what it means to actually have respect for this for a wheelie but homer's a piece of shit and that's the joke so we're gonna follow that through and like sort of instead the what what spurs homer out of his choice is like the strain that it puts on his marriage home like marge openly says to him like you're being exploitative and also I'm not attracted to you anymore. So, the, you know, obviously primordial motivations drive Homer to want to uh, to want to lose the weight. And then it's also he he fucks up at his job and he has to go back into work to fix the problem. And in the process, his weight is what inadvertently prevents a nuclear meltdown. And it's it's funny. It's a good climax and whatnot, but it's not very. Like, I, it's not very insightful. It's just a silly premise to let us hate Homer. Yeah, I think that's what The Simpsons is about. Like, I don't think, I mean, for me at least, when I watch The Simpsons, I'm not trying to leave any smarter than I did when I started watching it. I want to laugh a few times, maybe think about how goofy the world is, how seriously we take ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the extent of it. But this episode for 1995, it's amazing. It, yeah, it's very funny. It, it's really poignant and it's relevant and we're still talking about it today, which is great. I agree with you. I think that it would have benefited from a disabled character who didn't choose to be disabled for the sake of, you know, those exploitative gains. And have Homer realize himself that what he was doing was wrong himself, rather than I'll stop doing this because it's not a good look for me, but rather I'll stop doing this because I don't feel good about it anymore. Learning what I've learned. He didn't really have an emotional arc as a result of this. He just Chekhov's crippled his way into thin again at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Burns even says rather than uh, rather than help Homer lose the weight through calisthenics, he's going to let Homer get liposuction. So there's a quick and dirty way to undo Homer's disability in time for the next episode. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I know it's 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 a bit silly to ask the Simpsons to do any amount of heavy lifting in this regard. But like the whole point of the show is to juxtapose it's like irreverence with 
uh, unique and intelligent ability to undermine like our social institutions effectively. Yeah. Like, like to not intellectualize big ideas and to, <clears throat> it frequently makes fun of its parent network and the nature of, of uh, television and, and media in ways that are very, very subtle. Like they don't hit you over the head, not trying to prove that they're uh, smarter than anything else on TV, but the Simpsons approach to like higher brow themes and ideas is always uh, very welcome to me. Oh, me too. I love when a joke is funny enough that you can either just blindly laugh at it or you can choose to take a moment to take things less seriously. And that is the ultimate goal for me when it comes to humor, as I've said a hundred times. I just like dumb, mindless jokes that remind you that like it's all fine. We we don't need to be like fighting or trying to be better than one another or compete. It's just life is goofy. And The Simpsons does that exceptionally well. The thing is, I think that like when comedies or like works of fiction are able to are able to compose a coherent ideology, then that's what kind of gives them staying power within the culture. Like, I think that the first seven to 10 years of The Simpsons are so good that we continue to tolerate its, its existence now because killing it would be somewhat of a disrespect to those initial seasons. Like, we don't want to acknowledge that it's terrible now. So we, we just kind of keep, keep it alive. Yeah, well, it almost invented a genre. For sure. Yeah. Um, or it, it at least opened the door for several other mature car, uh, animated television series to like to continue to carry the torch. Yeah, I I um I think that the timelessness of certain works of fiction depend upon it having a coherent ideology, and so when people reflect back on it, they realize in retrospect how salient it was. And that's why it continues to be funny because it holds on to these ideas that are enduring. And like, that's a hard, intangible thing to do. I think to some extent, Rick and Morty, despite only having five seasons already, like its approach to humor and its pacing and its, its comedic grammar can be quite tiresome. Uh, and I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but uh, that's my opinion. Um, and the Simpsons, like with its original writers and whatnot, uh, is, is enduring. So that means something. Yeah. I think we can definitely agree the Simpsons is great. Even just like those little intros where Bart is writing something on the chalkboard. <laughs> those lines are always great. Yeah. Just a little throwaway joke. It would definitely be a fun show to be in the writer's room for absolutely it feels like it feels like the the healthiest environment for a comedian to play yeah do you want to do a wheel breakers i think you had several wheel breakers from previous episodes wheel breakers do you have one okay yeah uh you get to be 100 percent able-bodied um and you get to you know, you have full control of your physique and your level of fitness, but you have to wear a muumuu everywhere. 
Okay. So let's clarify your definition of murmur a little bit. Yeah, so it's it's similar to the poncho that Homer wears yeah. in this episode, which it's like, you know, it's like a shawl or like a drape or something with flowers on it. Okay, so that's what I was getting at. It it's a similar pattern to the one he's wearing too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a floral pattern. And I'm still me. You said I yeah. get to choose my physique. Well, yeah, like uh, you're not you're not grossly overweight. You just you're just wearing this tasteless garment. You can be whatever you want, but you got to wear that fucking muumuu that Homer wears. If I could be whatever I want, I could construct. Uh, I don't think there's anything that would redeem that that piece of clothing. That's the whole point of the wheel breaker. <laughs> I mean, it looks like I mean, it's basically just like you're walking around uh, in your grandmother's Chesterfield upholstery. Yeah, your tablecloth. I was gonna say Chesterfield upholstery, but tablecloth is much yeah. cleaner. Well, Chesterfield yeah. is also a great choice of words. Thank you. The problem that I see is that I would have a hard time convincing people that I wasn't on my way to bingo. Right. Yeah. And also, oh, here's another thing: you can't wear underwear. So if it's windy, you're fucked. I'd get my Audrey Hepburn moment. Yeah, your Marilyn Monroe. She didn't wear a moo-moo. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Audrey Hepburn could pull off a moo-moo. I think, mm, I don't know. I, th- I was going to say, if you could figure out a way to pull off a moo-moo, you would deserve your fame. I don't know. Nowadays, like, I feel like Post Malone would wear a moo-moo and people would be like, look at this guy breaking barriers and defying social contracts. That's true. I mean, you could definitely utilize that whole... That's true. You'd have to be very social media savvy to pull that off, though. Or just be a successful musician. Right. Yeah, you'd have to establish yourself as an eccentric enough personality to wear the clothing. So you still inevitably have to do work to earn people's trust. Yeah. So the question becomes, am I willing to put in that work? Yeah, like, you're going to have to become a fucking major trendsetter. Do I do a moo Yeah. I can't believe that you're willing to sacrifice wearing a button-up in order to wear a hoodie because you don't trust the person to do up your buttons. Well, I'm considering sacrificing wearing a button-up to wear a moo so <laughs> that should tell you more about me. I know, but yeah, yeah, it's true. Is it the same moo every time? Or can I, like, stylize... These moomers. It's the same moomoo. It's what Homer wears in the episode. Every time. Every fucking time. I don't time. get to change my outfit. Not a ever. thing about it. It's called wheel breakers. What if I have to go to like a fancy dinner? Sorry, moomoo. No, and no underwear. No underwear. Yeah, you're making this tough, I gotta say. Yeah, I know. I don't think that there's a world. Isn't it so funny that a moomoo could be de- like deeply threatening to your... To your identity i think i would get patronized more in a moomoo than For i do sure. in a wheelchair yeah you would okay. yeah and that's all just your your fucking why can't i talk all right fine jamie wheel 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 yeah moomoo's are the worst okay so you got one for me i'm gonna make you fully able body jamie uh-huh and to sweeten the deal you don't have to wear a moomoo in fact, you can wear whatever you want. Ooh. You can walk wherever you want. You can run 
you can cycle. I know how big you are into that. It was fun when I did it. Yeah. Thing is, you lose the ability to speak in a language that anyone can understand without your trusty translator. What? So the only way you can communicate is through a third party that you must bring with you at all times to translate your your words for you. And it's just a person? It's a person, and you bring them with you. It's not like a bird or a monkey or... It's No, it's a regular person. They're dressed up. Let me dress them for you. Your translator is wearing... I feel like in order to make this interesting, you have to make the translator flawed. Like, I have to be embarrassed to be around them. They're a Scientologist. They're a Freedom Convoy leader. They're a... I don't know. What are they? All right, they're wearing a moo-moo. <laughs> and no underwear. And no underwear. And So what, are you just... Someone else speaks for me in every interaction? Yeah, they're your translator. Where, what is this a play off of? This came from You're Not You. When... Oh, she was like, oh, Emmy Rosen. In my opinion, she could still speak fairly comprehensively, but Emmy Rosen was translating for her, and I was like, yeah, I got it. I know what she said, but I was like, that would be so frustrating if the only way to communicate was through another person, like mm-hmm. only one other person in the entire world understands you. Oh, so I could be speaking, cling on to them, and then they would yeah. have to relay it. So the whole point of the real wheel breaker is the tedium of communicating with this other person. Yeah, and, and I think there would be a little bit of a emotional disconnect with everyone you're close to because you're now communicating through someone rather than directly to them. Right, yeah. And imagine if you were like sexting someone or... Like, dirty talking with them. And the thing is, even during sexting, like, because they have to type your messages for you, they would just say, he says, take off the shirt. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. And like, oh man, ordering pizza would be tedious. It wouldn't just be like, undo it. It would be like, he says, undo it. Oh, see, I thought it would be really funny if like, you made the translator Donald Trump, and then... Like everything that I tried to relay to the person went through like Trumpisms. Like before, it was like a game of telephone with my awful translator, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> it would be funny. Yeah. So I would take this because I think it would be interesting. If you got really good at it, then you'd become a good communicator in general and your life would, uh, y- your life would get better. <laughs> okay. Let me sweeten the deal. Okay. What if your translator? makes everything you say questionably racist. Oh, no. But you have to try to, like, use your facial expressions to be like, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. But they're saying things. And it's not like, you know, like, the people where you're like, was that a racist comment? Or I just misinterpret that. I mean, then, obviously, that's, that's really uncomfortable. But you can try to just get really good with your face to try to make your non-racist intentions no <laughs> i'd definitely rather be disabled than mistaken for racist yeah what would a donald trump what would that sound like oh i don't have a good trump impression but i don't even mean like his voice but like how <laughs> would 
you fill through a thing to the point where you're like, I can't handle this. Yeah, you'd be like, you'd be like sexting, and he'd be like, he says it's huge, it's huge. <laughs> I don't know. That's my only Trump impression. You'd have to start dating a Republican. Yeah, you would. Because then they'd be like, oh, two for one. Right. Yeah. And then you'd be ideologically compromised just for the sake of romance. Yeah. Mm, that'd be that'd be tough. But I'm not going to sit here and say that I wouldn't be tempted. <laughs> I mean, you did say that you wouldn't want to be considered as racist, but then you're also entertaining the idea of Donald Trump as your translator. Those seem... I know. I mean, it's inevitable that, that you run into those... Yeah, I know. Uh, so real? But is it actually Donald Trump, or is it... Like, just somebody who looks and sounds like Trump. Good question. It is not Donald Trump. It is someone doing an over-the-top Donald Trump impression. Mm, okay, so then that makes me feel way better about saying no wheel. But they're going to, like, try to make everything go through a, an even more Trump-Trump filter, right? Because it's, it's not Trump, but they're hamming it up. So inevitably, I would be ostracized from most of my social circle, and I would be relegated to Trump supporters. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could try to explain the situation you're in through fake Donald Trump. Yeah. It might be really, like, there's one impressionist on SNL that does an amazing Trump, and it's really funny. So I would be tempted to, to say no wheel just because of how funny it could be. Yeah. But then get old. it would get old really quickly. So no wheel. No wheel means you'll do it. I mean wheel. Wheel. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we've done wheel breakers. I feel like this episode was all over the place. It was. It was sort of a strange one. That's okay. But it's always fun. Yeah. I'm going to go back and revisit a bunch of Simpsons now because... I've I've been really uh, excited to realize that it's still relevant and funny. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been on my list forever, but it's sort of a daunting thing. Because, yeah. like, where do I start? Season one, episode one? No, no, season four, three or four. Yeah? It's kind of sad that the show's been on for 30 years, and this is the only Wheelie episode that we really wanted to watch. Well, we also haven't seen all 30 seasons. Yeah, and we and to be honest, I don't really want to watch anything after nineteen ninety. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the episode, I guess, guys. But if people are out there and they're still watching The Simpsons or they know of other episodes, or gladly watch I'll even watch one from this year if it's relevant to the podcast, I'd watch it. For sure. I just don't want to go and watch thirty seasons of Simpsons to try to find one. Definitely. Yeah, that's something that we would ask our like Simpsons obsessive friends to do on our behalf. Yeah. Like Greg. Looking at you, Greg. Yeah. Greg. Greg. Yeah, Greg. Greg, are you listening to this? I don't know if he's ever heard our podcast. I don't think he even knows what it's called. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> okay, bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs>